I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, welcome to Queen Bee's pod. You're one of our favorite old timers, Paula. (laughs) Oh, brilliant. (laughs) Paula Carnell is here today to help me make a scap. And it's so nice to see you, Paula. Thank you. Hello. It's lovely to see you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yes. The bees are asleep or, or resting in torpor mm-hmm. and now it's our time to rest. But I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm not very good at finding time to rest. Well, I suppose like a skep making activity. These are the sort of things we can sit there and do and think about, you know, the year gone by and what's ahead. And I'm imagining it's going to be a lovely pastime. I don't know how it's going to go. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I find it is that. It's the meditation for beekeepers, I think, for the winter months. Long hot days in the shade of some big old tree Making daisy chains and watching all the honeybees I can see you on Zoom today and in the background I can see that you've got your skep making kit in a, a sack like me and also I can see what looks like a sort of top hat skep in the background <laughs> it does it does perhaps I should try it on Let's... with a Ooh, bit of a Dalek a Dalek viewer <laughs> oh so I want to ask you about a bit about the history of skep making and that sort of thing but um what have you been up to the last few days and this week well well I'm really excited to show you because I know you're a fellow honey lover oh I am on Saturday I had a lovely afternoon with the Nikte Yucatan honey people look at this and look at the jars aren't they beautiful can you describe them to us? Yeah. So this is Mayan honey from the Yucatan in Mexico. So wow. this is from the rainforest and the dry forests in Mexico, where the traditional Mayan, they harvest their honey in traditional ways according to the calendar, the Mayan calendar. So in this <gasps> beautiful packaging, you've actually got the Mayan calendar. And oh, wow. so you could have a honey that's harvested for your birthday so it's the honey for you for your life oh that is amazing yeah so have you tried it yet yes i have (gasps) they are so good so so good really rich really complex sort of forest honeys you know that you know with the honeydew you get the sort of molasses and and rich yeah they're just really rich complex there's a little Mm. bit of floral but amazing and just the colors i just love the colors i mean look at that one it's just golden that looks to me like it's going to taste like some sort of toffee. Well, yes, they have got that, but they're not too sweet. You know, sometimes mm. like that um, Alanga Nature eucalyptus is a really sweet toffee, isn't it? That's a mm-hmm. bit too sugary almost, you know, it's too sweet. But these are, um, yeah, they're just like a really good, I suppose like a, a sweet chestnut, but without mm-hmm. the bitterness. So yeah. they've got that complex layer, but really... 
delicious. Oh, that sounds so nice. You know, Tom said um, where he works this week is a very big eucalyptus tree and the bees have been absolutely all over it. And that's what they need. They need food in these winter months, don't they? Yeah, it's amazing, really, because it's been quite mild. They've all been out and about, haven't they? Yeah, well, we've had it quite cold, so it's been sort of eight to ten. And then what's been interesting, you know, we've got this Byzantium now in at the Newt. Oh, yes, that's the Newt Hotel in Somerset. So you could be sat there all day and the bees are all in torpor. And then at lunchtime, the sun comes out and they all go crazy. They're all suddenly waking up and buzzing around, but only for sort of half an hour to an hour. And then they come back in and they're just quiet. So it's so interesting having these observation hives because you're Mm. just more aware of that sudden movement, you know? Just amazing. Yes, fascinating. Well, um, yesterday I did a bit of gardening and because I've got some bees in my garden at the moment, I can see them through the window so I can keep my eye on them. Just by them, there was a little patch of flowers and stuff, you know, and I was planting some bulbs and there was some lemon balm. Anyway, I thought, oh, I've got so much lemon balm in my garden. I thought I'll dig this up, you know, so I can just get somewhere for me bulbs. Soon as I dug it up, there was such a strong scent of lemon balm. They all came came out the hive oh uh, yeah wow. and one went up my jumper and uh, <laughs> I had to come inside and I said to Jeannie my, uh, my daughter she's back from university I said oh you'll have to help me I've got a bee somewhere and I don't know where it is but I can hear it buzzing anyway eventually it came out my jumper <laughs> oh my goodness but no stings this time no stings no I was lucky Paula oh oh, oh they just want to have a cuddle <laughs> Can you just describe what a skep looks like? Okay. Whenever you see these images of a beehive, it's that sort of conical shape. And Mm -hmm. that is based on a skep. So it's this woven basket. Now, over time, skeps can be flat on the top because you might pile the skeps up. But they are basically a woven basket in this beehive shape. And Mm -hmm. that beehive shape... um, it's just been used, you'll see on banks, on, you know, mm. the Manchester Bee, you know, you'll have mm. all these carvings and illustrations of this skep shape. And those houses on clifftops in Ireland, I think they were used in Star Wars, where they had mm. these stone dome buildings. And that's mm. your sort of shape of a classical beehive. And there's also some stone hive shapes in Oman on a mountain top, which are thousands of years old, and nobody knows why they're that shape and I've also seen this was quite Mm. recent actually some storm protection buildings for tropical islands and what they're using is is almost like filled sacking but again they're using the same process of threading it round stitching it together but in that same shape that beehive shape so there must be something about the conical shape that makes it very stable Mm. stable and strong if it can withstand hurricanes and things so they're making these survival shelters so it's an ancient shape that goes Mm. back thousands and thousands of years and you know I find that fascinating it's there is so much more to learn about it and to discover so do you think you and me one day might live in two little skep houses next door to each other oh oh definitely wouldn't that be nice oh (laughs) (laughs) yeah so how are we going to get started in this short time I know it takes a bit longer than just one podcast to make a skep but can you tell me how we'll get started and shall we get started and then talk about 
skeps or what, what yes. do you think? Yeah, I think that'd be a good idea because when you're stitching, you might yeah. be able to talk at the same time. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's like go. knitting. You know, yeah. I can't talk while I'm knitting. I have to concentrate. <laughs> but yeah, with skepping, when you get into the regular stitching and then we can chat. So yeah. you, you have got a starter, I believe, haven't you? So you've got a bit of a a starter to get going with. What's a starter if it's not um, anything to do with sourdough bread? No, sorry. <laughs> so, Paula, what's a starter? Well, a starter for a skep is like a little Catherine wheel. So this little circle and it's getting it started because starting a skep is the hardest bit. So a mm-hmm. starter is just getting you going so then you can just carry on stitching. Ooh, let me see. I'm digging down into my straw. What sort of straw is this? Um, this is wheat straw, but it's thatching straw. So yeah. the thatchers would grow something longer. Yeah. And that's, you know, because they need it for the thatching. And mm-hmm. so traditionally, the skep making was made from sort of the byproducts of, of harvesting for the mm-hmm. thatchers. And so you'd have these long straws that we could use. Oh, I will put my hand right deep down into the sack and I can feel something quite hard. Oh. And, oh, oh, it's coming out. (laughs) Yes, oh, that's it. It's like a little Catherine wheel of straw. It is. So that's my starter then. It is. Now, the other thing that you could do with is some way of spraying just with a bit of water so that you can keep it moist. Now, some people weave very dry and other people yeah. like to have it very wet. Mm-hmm. So I do a bit of both. You just get different results, really. So what am I going to do? So I've got my Catherine wheel. You and have. And there's a long piece of straw sticking out. And what you'll find is you've got a long... That's it. Now, that's the lapping cane. Yeah. And then you've got your fid in your hand so that's good so my fig is like a long witch's fingernail isn't it that's very very pointed it is well traditionally you would use a turkey bone and you would hollow it out so these fids are now used for rope making so it's quite Ah. nice to have these because they're a bit easier to find nowadays than a turkey bone now this is where it gets complicated is just getting started so you see i've got my catherine wheel and I'm going yeah. to have my straw going out to my left because it's just easier. I'm sort yeah. of right-handed, but I think I'm more cack-handed than right-handed. So sometimes I find... <laughs> Oi, not alone. I'm your <laughs> cack-handed sister. Oh, I know. I know. I think we are... My boys always used to have this thing about um, a brother from another mother. And I think that's, that's, <laughs> that's what us. we are. Yeah, yeah, sisters from another mother. Right. <laughs> so you're using your fid to go mm-hmm. through your straw and yeah. coming out the other side. And you want it sort of flat. You want it going straight bigger. across. Right. So I've, I've not, not put anything in the fid yet. No, no. You're just yeah. going to do a stitch. So I'm going to poke it through the Catherine wheel, through yeah. some of the already sort of stuck together straw. Yep, that's it. So yeah. what we're Ooh, doing is... Oh, is stiff, it? it is, it is. I'll be here till Christmas with this job. <laughs> <laughs> well, I yeah. suppose it's it's while the bees are in torpor, you'll be making a skep. So yes, it'll I will. take as long as it takes. <laughs> right, so you should have gone through the other side. Yeah, so I've gone the... So the pointy bit is where you've got your lapping cane coming out. Hmm. Oh, this fid is a bit fiddly, Paula. <laughs> it is, it's a fiddly fid. 
It's a fiddly fit. I know I can feel a song coming on, can't you? I can, this fiddly fit. You and me and this fiddly fit. And then right. what we're going to do, oh, I see. Then we're going to post... We thread it through, but from the wooden end mm. to the pointy end. So, Paula, can you tell me a bit about Skeps? What's the history of Skeps? Well, I think, from what I can understand, is that humans have always used whatever materials they've got to hand. Mm -hmm. And when people wanted to keep bees in hives, depending where they were and what materials they had, they would make either baskets or willow Mm -hmm. Skeps or clay pipes. You know, Mm -hmm. it would just be using what they had. And grasses are Mm -hmm. everywhere. You know, all around the world, people are growing grasses. So um, there isn't much record going back. Uh, The Romans brought willow skeps, so they would just weave a tight basket and then they would clume it. So they'd coat it in Mm -hmm. cow dung, wood ash and clay. And so that would stop the bees coming out through the gaps in the willow. Mm-hmm. And then it seems that then evolved into weaving baskets because people were actually making baskets already. Oh, yeah. you know we were going to sing a song. Well, oh, yeah. You know the song, There's a Hole in My Bucket, oh, Dear yeah. Liza. Yeah. Well, you know there's a bit in there where it says, mend it with straw, which oh. I always thought was a bit weird. And I couldn't understand the mending it with straw. Well, baskets, if they're really well stitched, they actually hold water. And so you would have a straw basket carrying water. And so if it had a hole, you'd mend it with straw. Isn't that amazing? I'll mend it with straw, dear Dear Paula. (laughs) Dear Paula, I'll mend it with straw, dear Dear Paula. With straw. straw. Gosh, that's amazing. But you can actually feel how tight it is, can't you? So you could have a rain hat. Oh, very nice. Yeah, Paula's now made it into a little hat. She's going much quicker than me. So what I've done, Paula, is I've got my little Fidbit going through yeah. there and then I'm going to post it through there, am I? Yeah, but you want it going through. Maybe you do want your Fid the other way round. <laughs> oh, because the bit you thread once you get going you'll be fine you'll be steaming away that's it oh i see i've got it you've got it then go round again so it's a double stitch yeah oh you're steaming away now oh i think i was a scat maker in a former life i think you were I've got an urge to sort of push the straw down and hold it in my hand. Is that right? Yeah. Now, what you also want to do is oh. you want to start adding straw because Ooh. otherwise, if you don't add straw, you're going to run out. So every stitch, you yeah. want to add perhaps two or three straws. And Ooh. you see your straw has got the ends with the hairy bits on. Yeah. With the ears on, where you want to put the other end, the thick end, and you thread it into the middle of your bundle. Okay, yeah. I like it already. Oh, good. I love it. It was one of those things that I felt I couldn't be a proper beekeeper till I'd learnt to make a skep. Yeah, I feel like that. Do you want to know how I first learnt about skep making? Yeah, how did you do it? Well... You know, I was very ill, so I had yeah. seven years sort of in a wheelchair and bedbound. Oh, hard to and believe when you look, you see you, isn't it? I know. I just feel so lucky. It just feels like it, it was my cocoon phase. Yeah. Oh, is that my neighbour drilling again? 
(laughs) (laughs) So I had my beehive in the garden so I could lay in bed. Don't forget Mm -hmm. to keep adding some straw as you go steaming along. And each year at the Bath Mm -hmm. & West show... Yeah. There's a big, big bee tent. So it's a big agricultural show near us every sort of May, Mm -hmm. June time. And Mm -hmm. um, they would have a big bee tent. And in the bee tent would be a lady called Diana Robertson. And she is a master skep maker. She's an amazing lady. And she'd been making skeps for years. And so my husband used to wheel me into that tent and park me next to Diane while he'd go off to the cider tent. And um, and then he'd come back and pick me up sort of an hour or so later. So I used to watch Diane and I used to ask her questions. And I just dreamed of a day when I could make a skep. And Aww. it was just so lovely. And then one year she gave me the little starter. So like your yeah. little starter, but a, a tiny one. And yeah. I actually hung it up by my bedside for about another year or so. Before, or maybe even longer than that, because I just could never get round to making a skep. You know, I wasn't well and I couldn't go yeah. on a course. And yeah. then when I was well, she held a course. So oh. we went to her garden and it was with the local beekeepers association. Mm-hmm. And there was about 20 of us and she taught us skep making. And then I was hooked. That was it. Oh. Do you always tend to make them at this time of year? Yes. Yeah, when between... you harvest your crops, Paula, when you harvest your fields, you go out and you start skep making. Oh, I God, that do. Wasn't, I that do. wasn't very... Um, I don't know whether you're allowed to do that sort of thing. I make sort of Somerset <laughs> jokes with a Somerset voice, a cider drinking voice. It's not very good, is it? Well, I think if you blame it on the cider, you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm finding now, of course, is that I've, I think I've already made my first mistake is that my stitch was going round the bend and so it's sort of like it made a little corner. Does that matter ah, okay. too much? So what you can do is move around your stitches, slide them mm-hmm. around, so you yeah. just want to pull them a bit tight. You really mm. want them tight, as tight as you can get. Yeah, that good creaking okay. noise. And then you can slide your stitches around. Oh, so the... I see. Yeah, I've slightly yeah. slid my stitch, yeah. But now I've run out of thread. Oh, I know. Now, this is a really good fun bit. So you want to get another bit of lapping cane. Okay. Now, where your bit of cane is already coming through and where your Mm -hmm. fid is... Yeah. You want to thread a new bit of lapping cane through the same stitch. Okay. Let me just get the lapping cane. Let's just put me... I've got my um, lapping cane in my wicker basket. I'm such. A, I'm so fond of a basket. Are you? Oh, I love baskets. I am. Oh, I do. I absolutely love baskets. I've got a huge uh, one here, actually, a big willow one that my husband got me a few years ago, and it's too big to go anywhere. I mean, it, you could have, you could have triplets in it. You know, it's oh, such a big basket, but it's so lovely. It's so nice. I, I've been. I've got a new arrival in the family, a new niece, and uh, this week oh. I've been cooking a couple of meals and taking them round. And I love to take them in my basket. You know, I oh. feel so wholesome. Yes. Oh, well, it's perhaps so nice. you could weave a skep basket for your your new. I niece. know. Oh. See, once you've got this basic technique, you could do any shape you like. Yeah. I mean, how do you sort of? make the 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 shapes 
I suppose well, you just have to mould it, don't you? As you, you do. Yes, yeah, so you can mould them into whatever shape you like. So the first one I made was had lots of mm-hmm. jaggedy corners. It was really yeah. sort of hexagon shape, actually, which I quite liked because I thought oh. it was a bit more bee-like. And did the bees go for it? Well, I've only ever used them really for, apart from sun hives, but I've used them for swarm collection. And yeah, yeah, that one has been used a lot. What are sun hives? I know you've made one before. What are sun hives? Well, the sun hives are designed by Manka Gunt. Actually, no, hang on, let me just check his name. Old Manka Gunt? (laughs) I know. Maybe it's just knowing you're going to repeat the name and I know that doesn't sound right. Um... Oh, where's my book? Where's... Oh, there it is. Oh, it's it's Gunter Mank. <laughs> Gunter Mank. Oh, what a funny name he's got. <laughs> well, Gunter Mank in Germany designed a sun hive, <laughs> which is based on the skeps. <laughs> Sorry, I know. Gunter like... Mank. Can you just say his name again for us, Paula? What's his name? Gunter Mank. I think it's Gunter, Gunter Mank. Might... <laughs> well, it could be Gunther. Let's call him Gunter Mank. Gunter Mank. So Gunter Mank has a book called The Sun Hive and he designed a sun hive which is two skeps, one on top of the other. But the clever thing is that you've got these curved frames inside, wooden frames. So instead of having the square wooden frames that we have in our hives, you have curved ones so that you could still inspect the bees inside the hive. Because in some parts of the world, it's illegal to keep bees in hives without movable frames. And so the sun hive is a way of having a skep hive with movable frames. Oh, well done, Gunter. Well yeah. done, Gunter. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot... We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You can experiment as well with things like adding handles and different entrance ways for the bees. So there's no end. And I like a skill or a craft that you can develop, you know? You haven't learnt all the techniques in one go. It's a lifetime of practice. Yeah, before you know it, you're wearing skep trousers and a skep jumper (laughs) and a little skep... You can't walk because you're just... In your skep clothes, like Michelin yeah. skep woman. That'll be me next when you see me. I'll be when Aww. you next bump into me at the honey show. I'll have some skep trousers, and people will be like saying, "Hurry up behind me!" <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Oh well, maybe start yeah. with some boots, skep boots. Oh yeah, skep boots would be good, wouldn't they? 
I think I'd look very good in a pair of skep boots. Oh, skep skirt. If you had a big oh, yeah. central bit, yeah. then you could have a nice... Um, you could have a skirt, couldn't you? We just step into them, like the under petticoats they used to have for crinolines, you know, yeah. those big hooped petticoat. You could have a skep skirt. Have you ever all? heard of anything, a sort of a funny story or an unusual story about a skep or what happened to it or anything like that, you know through these people that you've learned about skep making? Can you think of anything? Most people will make one. I don't Mm. have many people that go on and make lots. Mm -hmm. And this is why it's an endangered craft. So the Heritage Crafts Association are really concerned. It's on the red endangered list because not many people make them. And you'll have beekeepers Mm -hmm. who might make one, but then they don't go and teach anybody else or they don't make any more and then it just dies out. So that's one of the reasons I teach because I think it's really important to share these skills Mm -hmm. and it's so transferable. I mean, a skep is a home for bees, but we can make our... You know, our buckets, we can make hats, we can make skirts, you could make baby cribs, you know. <laughs> There's so much you could do. My mum, when we were kids, we had um, a skep laundry basket. Oh, oh mm. yes, because you'll find in Malaysia, I mean, when you start looking at baskets now, you'll see this stitch work mm. and they'll be using different grasses, whatever they've got to hand. And yeah. what I'm trying to do this year, there's some beautiful long grasses grown at the newt this year. So mm. I've bagseed them. I've said, right, when you cut them down, um, can you keep them aside? And I'll make a basket from those or make a skep from those grasses because I think that would be lovely. Oh, that would be so nice. I do. Could you make a skep out of, you know, like you say, different, so any sort of grasses really that you had. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you want something long, and that's why the yeah. thatching straw has been really yeah. important. But, of course, yeah. if you're making a home for bees, you want to have it not sprayed with chemicals. So of that's course. one of the problems um, yeah. if you're going for conventional wheat. Also, modern wheat that we eat is very short. It's not grown as long as the traditional wheats. So it's not just the craft that's endangered. It's also the food, you know, the wheat that we used to grow to make it. So with modern agriculture, everything is is sprayed or it's shorter, it's smaller. It's not made for multi-purposes, whereas mm. the thatching straw, you'd eat the, you know, the heads, you'd have the flour, you'd make the baskets and you'd thatch. So, yeah, I think that's what's interesting about the heritage aspect. But now here's a good fact. You know when you've made a good skep, mm. when you can stand on it. And I did a course in Devon and I had two chaps <laughs> and I said this. I said, oh, you know, you've made a good one if you will take your weight. So they did both stand on their skeps. And I've got a brilliant photograph of them standing on their skeps. And thankfully, they didn't collapse. So they'd made really good, strong skaps. So that's good, isn't it? When I've run out of... Um... What do you call it? Yeah, lapping came. So am I sort of doubling up with it? How do I... What you're going to do, so if I show you... Yeah. So I've got my short bit there. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. And I've still got my fid in the same place. So I'm going to thread my next bit through, Mm -hmm. through the same hole, but underneath that original stitch, Mm -hmm. underneath the original bit, and pull it as far through as you can, but leaving a little bit on your side. So then it will look like that. So I've got a little bit on the wooden side. Mm -hmm. I've got the original short bit on that side. And then I've got my new bit long. Right, so I'm going just underneath the the original stitch. So it's like you're doing a double stitch, but you're just Mm -hmm. using a new piece of 
lapping so tape. So I'm threading it through. Yeah. And you want to thread it right through as far yeah. as you can. Yeah. So and then... so it's it's with the other one then, like that, isn't it? Oh, that's a good creaky noise. Mm. Creaky skep noise. And then, you see, you can go back along the other stitches and just tuck it in. You pull it, don't you? Yeah. Maybe you need a bit of spit on it. Mm. <laughs> when I first came, the first time I came to London, my dad made me spit on a Rolls Royce. Really? I know, Gosh. yeah. I know he was Why? quite radical. <laughs> I suppose he was a bit like anti the Rolls Royces. Yeah, and he said, and so he made me spit on the handle of a Rolls Royce. And when I spat on it, he said, "Okay, now you need to phlegm all your phlegm and and spit on it." I was like traumatized. It was oh in my Mayfair. Gosh. I know, yeah. Wow. So when he said spit on it, reminded me of that. <laughs> oh no! Gosh. That would give you all kinds of money yeah. issues, wouldn't it? It's like, it oh, I can't do. be rich and buy my own Rolls Royce because someone will come along and spit on it. I know. <laughs> Can you imagine? I haven't oh, even got dear. a car. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, do you have a driver then? Are you one of those? Yes, I have a driver and I drive a Rolls Royce. <laughs> oh, that's good. You just like to sit in the back now. <laughs> Right, so now I've got this. Yeah. yeah, and then with your new one that you've already mm -hmm. threaded through, so then the short bit, you do the same. You just tuck it in mm -hmm. and you just want it nice and tight so that when you pull it, it's not going to all unravel. Now I've got a sticky out bit. Yeah, well, that's your little bit of lapping cane, isn't it? Hold it up. Let me have a look. Oh, blobbits. It is just practice, you know, and then the more you do... I mean, I remember yeah. that first course, none of us could get our head round attaching new lapping cane. Mm. And yeah. every time I had a new one to add, I would just mm -hmm. have Diana to do it for me. And I'd think, when am I ever going to understand this? And then it was yeah, only when I, I started doing them on my own and I thought, I've got to get this. I've got to understand it. Mine is... Mine's oh. still... No, that's good. That's good. You're getting there. Don't forget to add the straw because oh, no, otherwise just, you're going to yeah. run out. Every stitch you add some more straw, don't you? Yes. Yeah. Two or yeah. three. Now, what you can do is you can have a guide mm -hmm. so that you have the same width of your sort of twist, you know, your bit of straw. Mm -hmm. So you could use a cow horn. So here we go. Here's a hollowed out cow horn that I've got. Oh, Yeah. But that's quite small. What I do use, I did a course down in Devon mm -hmm. and there was a lovely lady who yeah. on day two of the course, she turned up and she brought some napkin rings, oh. which we thought, how perfect, because actually a napkin ring is just right. So you can oh. thread it over your straw and then yeah. that gives you a guide. So you know then if you've got enough straw or not enough because it will be oh, loose. Oh, I've got a napkin ring. It's my dad's old one. It's a silver one. Oh. I could try that. You could. And then that helps you when you're making the basket. So you just keep the same width all the way through. So it makes it a bit more uniform. Let me just see if I... It's actually just there. I'll just get it. Oh. Yeah. You know, this This is so funny because um, this this is a silver napkin ring. And uh, when I was little, my dad was a policeman and we got burgled and somebody took all of our silver. Oh. And we didn't have much, you know, just a couple of 
cups and stuff that were passed down through the family. Anyway, my dad managed to find the robber and we got the silver ring back. Oh, yeah. oh how lovely. Because that's the thing, if you don't have a lot of silver, then it has a lot of personal yeah. meaning, doesn't it? So it's... And it, that's the thing, it's not the material value, is it? It's that personal losing special things with special memories. That's I know. So I, I could put this on top of my straw then, this silver napkin ring. Is that... Yeah. Yeah. Lovely. And then you'll know that you've got roughly the same size all the time. So when it gets Ooh. too tight, you've got too much straw. If it's too loose, you know you need to add a bit. So this is quite a big one. So do you think I should add a bit more straw then? or? Well, yes, but you do it gradually. So when yeah. you start getting really big for your basket, and also the thicker it is, the quicker it takes to make a skep if you've got thick pieces of straw. Oh, yeah, very good. So when I've made this skep then, Paula, what do you suggest I do with it? Well, I would put it in an ideal spot to let a swarm move straight on in. On my head. <laughs> I don't know if you'd want to swarm in while you're wearing it. <laughs> no. If you put it to one side, put a little bit of propolis, a little bit of old wax comb and a drop of lemongrass oil and the bees will find it. And you don't take honey from a skep, do you? No. You could, if you put two skeps on top of each other, you could put a second skep on top and actually use that as a honey super. But normally it's just to produce really healthy hives. In the old days... They would take honey from skeps, but it wasn't very nice. Um, what they would do is either drown the bees and take the honey, oh. or they would put them in sulphur pits. So they'd dig a hole, burning with sulphur, kill the bees, and then get the honey. Crumbs. I mean, it's amazing that they had any bees left if they did that. I know, I know. So you might have your skep of bees, but at the end of the season... Um, what would you do with those bees? Would you try and put them into a normal hive or would you sort of try and make some sort of uh, box or something to shelter the skep so they didn't get all soggy and wet? Well, if you clume the hive, so if you coat it with the clay and the cow dung and the wood ash, then mm -hmm. that makes them waterproof. But what you used to have was bee bowls. So you'd have walls or buildings with the skeps in. So then they'd be protected. Oh, I've got to tell you something else, actually, that is amazing. <laughs> right. Um, there's an amazing guy who runs the History of Beekeeping Society. And he tells the story of how people used to move their skeps from the orchards to their gardens. And they used to put them by the entrance to the gate in the winter months. So that as they came and went through the winter the bees still knew them and you'd have these old houses which would sometimes have a hole in the wall or it looks like a little bread oven but without the oven bit and that would be a little shelf that you'd put your skep in for the winter months now what's really clever is it so the bees recognize their owner so then in the spring when you went to have a look they didn't sting you because they knew who you were and then the really interesting fact is that there's more bee stings in april than any other time of year and the people most likely to be stung are beekeepers and it will be the fact that they've not kept in touch they've i know you go and say hello to your bees every week but lots of people don't they leave them there for a few months and then when they come back in april and lift the lid up the bees get a bit annoyed and um so traditionally you'd move your skep around so they'd be sort of living with you 
But how on earth would they move it round when you think, well, if you moved it from the orchard to the front gate, you'd have to do it very slowly because the bees would just fly back to the orchard, wouldn't they, and think, where the hell's my skep gone? (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you read The Feminine Monarchy... Reverend Butler, he would say that you move bees at two times of the year. So you move them in the time of Libra or the time of Pisces. Mm. And so each time it's either autumn or spring. So if you have a really heavy rainy day, Mm. you could then move your skep. You just block up the entrance hole. And if you've got a little stand that your skep's on, and then you just move them to the new location. And particularly if you've got a, you know, like a week of rain, so you know they're not going to fly, and then they'll be fine. They'll just reorientate. Mm. But maybe Mm. their orchards were a bit further away, and they would perhaps do it in Pisces, which is sort of March time. So while they were mm. still in torpor and there weren't too many bees. Me, me and Tom nearly got divorced when we moved our bees in winter. It was <laughs> terrible. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. Paula, what, like you said, you know, this ancient tradition of, of skep making, you know, if we can inspire anybody to sort of to, to have a go at this, you know, even if they don't keep bees, they might they might know somebody or they might be able to make it into something else, like you said. And I think we've we've definitely got to keep these traditions going, haven't we? Oh, absolutely. And if we can make our own skep bucket, that could be a real sort of, uh, could be a party piece, couldn't it? It could. A we can take it to the seaside. Of... Yeah. <laughs> oh, Paula, I love you so much. I'm just, oh. I just wish we lived near each other. Oh, I know, I know. No, and I'm so honoured. Thank you so much for, you know, just being interested. Let me speak. Well, we love love everything you've got to say. You're a real guru to me. You are my guru. Oh, (laughs) thank you. Queen Bees is written and created by Esther Coles and Jane Horrocks. It is produced by Claire Broughton, Andy Goddard and John Wakefield and partly recorded at The Hives on my allotment near Crouch End in London. Our title music is Sweet Nothing by Amy May Ellis and Will Cookson. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Queen Bees Pod for pictures and videos from The Hive. Queen Bees is a hat-trick podcast. It feels so good just to have you around Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.